Hey, Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for, for being here. I'm really pleased for you being here because I really wanted to learn more about ketamine because I once, or I first heard of ketamine, maybe like I want to say five, six years ago, and that was by people using it recreationally around me. So, you know, Special K, Kitty, as they, they used to call it. So my first question to you is, is what is ketamine and how does it actually work? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's interesting because ketamine is a ubiquitous drug. It has many different uses. And um, depending on how you first hear of it, you'll be sure that that's the whole story, but it's only one part of the story. So a lot of people know of it as special K as a recreational drug. Uh, it is the same uh, that we use in the clinic. That's assuming that you are getting actual ketamine and not a copycat drug or, or something that's adulterated or maybe has fentanyl in it, right? So there's always risks with illicit drug use, but assuming it's actual ketamine, yeah, it's the same medicine. Uh, it's also used as an anesthetic. It's an FDA approved medicine as an anesthetic. It was approved in 1970. So it's been one of the most widely used anesthetics in the world uh, since then, and, and it continues to be. It's also used uh, as an analgesic, as a pain reliever. So if uh, someone is in the ER, uh, they might get that at times instead of an opioid. And uh, in the last 20 years, it's been uh, really proven by a huge body of research to be uh, really one of the best, if not the best, reliever of depression and other mood disorders through IV infusions in a sub-anesthetic dose in a much smaller amount than is you know typically given for sedation. So patients are conscious and awake the entire time. So we use ketamine to treat depression, PTSD, suicidality, uh, OCD, anxiety, and some other mood disorders. Through these IV infusions, they take about an hour. Um, it's a series of six over three weeks, and it has an 83% success rate in our clinic with no long-term side effects, none of the short-term of the conventional medications like SSRIs and other prescription pills. And uh, it's it really, quite frankly, an amazing treatment. Hey everyone, we've been using Furnish Finder for the last five years. When it comes to travel nursing assignments or long-term vacations, Furnish Finder is a place to go. One of the most trustful aspects about travel nursing is finding housing. There aren't a lot of sites that offer furnished homes for short-term leasing. Furnish Finder has thousands of furnished properties nationwide to meet your every need. If you're looking for a one-bedroom studio to a three-bedroom family home, Furnished Finder has you covered. Travel with a peace of mind with Furnished Finder. Start your search at furnishedfinder.com. And then a little bit of research. So there's like almost, I want to say, two or three variety of doses with Academy where it's like the low dose, the medium dose, and, uh, and the heavier set dose. We actually had a patient in the hospital where we could we were we needed to intubate her but she had a sternal mass where we were scared that if we deplete her respiratory drive we thought that she wasn't going to be able to restart it back up so we actually used use ketamine and um, some other medications to uh, kind of sedate her and try to to intubate her so is that one of the benefits of ketamine where it comes to it doesn't affect the respiratory drive as much as, as other like you say sedatives or anal analgesics Exactly. That is one of its great benefits. It does not affect respiration. Um, it's used a lot in third world countries or in crisis zones where they don't have adequate monitoring because it's so safe uh, and it doesn't um, affect respiration and some other vital functions in the way that other 
sedatives or, or pain relievers do. So yeah, it, it's, it's actually the most commonly used one still for pediatrics, for children, because it's so uh, safe. And then when you compare it to our typical SSRIs, um, the SSRIs, they, they work on uh, like dopamine, serotonin, so, your, so like our monoamines. And ketamine does uh, use a different pathway to, um, to facilitate, facilitate these, uh, these, you could say, antidepressant um, effects. What, what pathway does, does it exactly, exactly use? What does it affect? Does it affect like neurotransmitter? Does it affect a specific one? How does that actually work like in your brain? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, you know, SSRIs typically affecting serotonin, you know, there's uh, the, the key neurotransmitters that are generally addressed with uh, prescription pills and treatments up until now has been serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, et cetera. Uh, all of these combined among all the other neurotransmitters only make up about 15% of the brain. Uh, present in about 15% of the brain. The other 85% is the neurotransmitter glutamate. And so ketamine affects glutamate. It's very interesting that prior to this treatment, none of the others have really been focused on glutamate, despite the fact that it's present in 85% of the brain. It's the most abundant neurotransmitter we have. And so ketamine affects it in a variety of ways, but one of the key ones is it's an NMDA receptor antagonist. That's the N-methyl-D aspartate receptor by uh, blocking it, it causes an increase in the neurotransmitter glutamate, which uh, low levels of are uh, of it are associated with low mood function, issues with sleep, et cetera. So it really helps in that way. It also helps to promote uh, BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor, which actually is a protein. It can help to increase physical growth in parts of the brain, like the prefrontal cortex and areas that are involuted or have actually shrunken due to depression and other mood disorders. So ketamine is not just treating the symptoms, it's actually getting at the root cause of a lot of these issues in the brain, uh, helping to increase dendrite density and connectivity and improve neuroplasticity and uh, promote new neural pathways being formed in the brain. So this can help to create new, healthier ways of being and thinking and kind of hit the reset button on negative patterns that start to get really embedded in our personality and who we become as they persist for long enough. And then on the other side of things, one of the other things that makes ketamine really unique is it really has a very powerful effect on the, on the mind, not just the brain. There's a psychological experience going on. Ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic, but it really it's also a psychedelic. And when you're getting it in our clinic in this way, uh, it, it really is a, a psychedelic effect. So with that comes new insight realizations about yourself the people in your life these patterns that i've that i've mentioned and an opportunity to see them from an outside lens a different perspective this kind of detachment of mind and body and that insight can be really valuable for patients it also allows them to revisit prior trauma without having as much of a triggered or an emotional response to it so memories that were in the past maybe too painful to, to revisit or that had been uh, repressed can actually be worked through in ways that can be really conducive to people getting closure around them uh, because they're able to kind of reprocess them. And so these are some of the really meaningful effects of ketamine that are really unique to it. Yeah, when you when you say that, it reminds me of, because I did a few mushroom trips before and it really allowed me to look at things in like a, like a different way. Like you get 
like you're thinking about the same things but you're thinking about them in like a different way and even my my friends have noticed that like when they're going through different struggles they keep doing the same thing over and over again and using and going on like a mushroom trip or maybe even some like lsd allows them to like look at something in a different perspective so they're not repeating the same thing over and over and over again because i feel like you have a link between like your actions and emotions and your memories it's, it's all linked to something so you have like a bad memory it brings out feelings of sadness and i feel like sometimes when you do the psychedelics you're able to maybe change um how you feel about that certain uh memory or 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 certain um like thought process so it's seems to be like ketamine is very similar in 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 the sense of like psilocybin where where you're going through a trip so when people come to your clinic are they going through like a like a trip or is it maybe something um less like like you, you said like a microdose of psilocybin is it like a similar feeling to that yeah I, we don't like to describe it as a trip per se it, it's really um you know it's an experience for sure they are altered they are having this kind of dissociative or psychedelic like effect i think the word trip kind of is so commonly associated with recreational use or or fun or yeah let's trip yeah i'm tripping i'm tripping out let's go on a trip whatever so we try not to frame it in that way but yeah there's a lot of similarity there it's not a microdose it is a, a, a perceptible dose you feel altered you know, for those who may not know who are listening, a microdose really means an imperceptible dose that you're not actually feeling very different from the amount that you take, which is commonly done with psilocybin, even though it's not legal in the United States for recreational use. And there's really not a lot of data behind it. We're just now starting to do some really cool research around psilocybin. And there's some great progress being made there. And it will probably be a, a clinical treatment in the next several years. But Ketamine is FDA approved and it has been for over 50 years and it's available in a variety of settings uh, in clinical offices today. So people can benefit from it legally from with medical supervision, whereas psilocybin has great potential. And anecdotally, I know that it has helped a lot of people, uh, but they can't really legitimately work with the doctor on it. And then, of course, with doing anything that's on the black market, there's going to be risks as far as quality, potency legal legal ramifications etc and safety concerns so um those are just some things for people to be aware of but as far as what you're pointing out the overlap and the ability to kind of um reframe reprocess you're right on the money there they both really promote neuroplasticity they both promote you know neurogenesis they both can really help to disrupt these patterns these negative ways of being and give us an opportunity to kind of start fresh which is really meaningful and it's something we haven't seen in other treatments for mental health up until uh, more recent times. What I really like about, about ketamine, maybe you could share some more light on this, is when you think about the SSRIs or other medication we use for, for mental health is you got to take that pill basically every single day. A lot of times it takes like three months for this SSRI to, to start working, like Prozac, all those kind of things. It takes time for it to start working. And it's like you're almost dependent every single day on, on this pill. So with ketamine, um, it's like a, you get it infused once every couple of weeks or once every, every couple of months. Is that how it works? So you're not so dependent on having this pill and it's like, if I don't take this pill, you know, it's going to kind of screw me over in, in the long run. It kind of means more of like a once in a while, uh, kind of medication, correct? Yeah. So we do a series of six infusions over three weeks and then it's as needed after that. So patients can go typically three months before they need any follow-up care, which is usually just one or two more infusions. It's not another series of six. 
And that one or two boosters, we call them, can provide another three months of relief, sometimes longer. We've seen patients go four, five, six months or longer um, in between visits, and they're not taking any other medications and they're doing great. A lot of people are tired of taking these pills every day. They're tired of the side effects like weight gain, loss of libido, dry mouth, blurred vision, increased suicidal thoughts, and a whole list of other really negative side effects. Ketamine has none of those. Uh, none of those side effects are present. And yeah, you're right on the money there that uh, for somebody who wants a more kind of holistic view of really trying to get more at the root cause of their issues and not just cover the symptoms can really benefit from going through this experience and then coming back as needed to maintain their result and not being dependent on a drug daily. And ketamine works within hours to days. It doesn't take the six weeks, eight weeks plus that these other medications take to come to a therapeutic effect. So people see results much faster and they're not kind of stuck taking something every day that over time can really start to cause harm and also be very difficult to stop taking. As, as you know, when people are trying to wean off of these medications, they can have terrible withdrawal symptoms and it can take a very long time. I mean, sometimes many, many months or even over a year, depending on what the medicine is and how high of a dose you're on, that process sometimes needs to be extremely gradual we're talking about prescription pills right now, right? Before you can stop taking it in a safe manner. So then why is it that, that with ketamine, you don't have to dose it every day like a typical um, SSRI? Is it because that breakthrough experience is just is, is just so strong where people can be fine with not going through it every day? Is it because it's not necessarily changing your brain chemistry and that's like the solution? It's The solution is more of like those breakthrough um um, effect where you're changing your mind, so you're changing your ideas? It's both. Ketamine um, really has a tremendous impact on both the brain and the mind while the medicine is in the system. And that effect lasts long after it's gone. With SSRIs and other prescriptions, they're only good once they've reached a therapeutic blood level, which as we've addressed, takes time. And it has to be maintained. You're continuing to benefit from the drug while it's in your system. And as soon as the drug stops being in the system, you stop benefiting. That's because it really is covering more of the symptoms. Ketamine has these processes that we've described on, on the brain and on the mind that are profound, that are really meaningful, and they persist for months or longer. So that's some of the differences, both in changing the neurochemistry and also in changing the mindset for people to really start to have their lives back. And ketamine also has a very short half-life. The medicine is actually out of the body within you know, a matter of hours or a day. I mean, it's, I think the half-life is around like four to six hours. So it's, it's really like, it's not like the drug stays in the system and then, you know, that is what's doing the work. It's, it's what happens during the infusion experience that's meaningful and that has the, the staying power. And then when it, when it comes to your clinic, can you explain to me like the whole team of people? Because I've never been to a academy clinic. I've never really experienced an academy clinic or had any patients that, that went to one. Is it just you have a physician and you have a nurse infusing it or is it like a psychiatrist involved? How does it like look? It's just say I'm coming into your office and I'm hey I'm having my first my first um, ketamine trials or my first ketamine doses. How how does how does that look? What do you guys do? Is there like an assessment that that they do? Is it just like question based? How does that all work and and look? Yeah, so there's a lot of different models 
across different kinds of practices. Uh, the way that ours works is a little unique, uh, but we have a really wonderful team of 17 people. We have two board certified psychiatrists. We have a psych NP, that's a you know, nurse practitioner. We have a psych physician assistant. We have a team of RNs, uh, registered nurses, for those listening who might not know. We have a whole admin team. So we're really a large team uh, providing really individualized care with lots of personal attention to every patient. The process is if you call, you talk about your situation, help us to decide whether or not it might be a good fit for you. Then we would schedule a consultation with our uh, one of our providers being the, the physician or one of the psych NPs. We'll do a, a more of a clinical kind of intake with you over the phone. If it's determined based on reviewing your treatment history and answering your questions and all that, that you're a good fit, we'd schedule you to come in. And then when you come in, there's a good amount of paperwork, getting a more comprehensive uh, history on you. We do a brief physical exam, and then we would start the treatment. And that would be uh, starting an IV, making you comfortable in a recliner, giving you pillows, blankets, noise-canceling headphones, really relaxing music, a sleep mask, helping to make you really comfortable and relaxed, and then monitoring you with hospital-grade monitoring equipment during your infusion. We monitor for pulse ox, EKG, and blood pressure. So we make sure that patients are safe as well as comfortable the entire time. And the, the medical team is extremely compassionate, very attentive, and they're constantly helping to make sure that the experience uh, is, is good for people. And it's a huge range. You know, some infusions, uh, someone might laugh the entire time. Maybe they haven't laughed in a long time. Maybe they just needed to get it out of their system. You know, they maybe they felt tickled by realizations they were having. Sometimes people cry for an hour. Same thing, maybe they've been holding it all in for so long and they just had to finally have that release that they needed you know, or they, they went through some things in their mind that made them feel sad, but it's, it's a part of the healing process, you know, and more commonly people are laying there quiet and there's not a lot to see from the outside, but there's a lot going on internally. They could be going on some wild adventure in their mind, you know, flying through different worlds in the universe, the cosmos, maybe they connect with, you know, God or what they perceive the spiritual realm to be. Uh, there's it's such a wide variety, you know, the mind is, is limitless. Uh, of where people go and what happens for them when they're, you know, having an infusion. And that experience really is outside of language. It's very hard for people to try to describe what it was like, but it's really uh, impactful for most people. Yeah. I remember um, doing some mushroom recreation with my, my friends and then I always really enjoyed looking at them and, and seeing what they're going through and, and how they're reacting because some of my friends had an amazing time, but one of my friends, it took him like three or four times to actually like kind of like break through because every experience that he had it was super scary. It was it was so scary to to the point where where every time you know we talk about doing it, you could see like a little bit of fear in him because he doesn't, doesn't want to go through it again. It's almost like as person and and this buddy of mine was a little bit stubborn and, and it's like it was he was a little hard hard headed. So it's like you know I know you're having a bad experience, but it's still trying to show you something. You're trying to it's this thing that you had going through in your mind. It is scary, but it's you're you're supposed to, or you're trying to, or you need to kind of learn from it. Like why you're going through these bad things? What are you trying to fight? What are you trying to hide? What is this kind of almost like like showing? You? What is like your almost subconscious tries to show you about yourself that you just don't want to let go? So I it was really cool seeing like some of my friends having the best time of my life, and then my other friends having such a scary time. 
But then it's also so wonderful seeing them finally like break through. Where you're like, where like you just see the like tension get released, and it's like, okay, see now you know why this happened, and now you finally realize like what's going on. And after that, they've been having like good times with with it. So it's like it's crazy to see that where you, you see people sometimes struggling with it, and then they like break through, and then you see that they just get relaxed and their mood changes. You're just like you're just like wow. So. You know, this actually does some benefit because I see you as a changed person now. It's crazy how how it happened after like three or four times of us of us doing this, where I seen you struggling in life and I seen you struggling while on mushrooms, and then you finally get that breakthrough, and now you're not struggling as much in life, and you're having like a like a good time on the mushrooms. It's crazy how that how that correlates. So, do you find yeah. any joy from that? Do you sit with with the, with patients and like kind of look at them through their experience? Yeah, I mean, we have this kind of concept that there's no such thing as a bad trip, you know. And uh, that difficult is not the same as bad and kind of helping to reframe that. So with what you're talking about, sometimes, yeah, these experiences can reveal things to us that can be troubling at times or challenging, you know, and especially with other psychedelics like uh, psilocybin or mushrooms, it can be even more uh, powerful in that way. Because one of the things that's kind of nice and a little bit different about ketamine is, especially in the dosages that we're using, is people retain their executive function usually pretty well. They have an awareness that they're having an, an experience, an infusion. So there's a little bit of a, and also they can kind of open their eyes and look around and reorient themselves to the room and feel a little more grounded in ways that can be very comforting. Whereas with mushrooms or acid, LSD, you know, it can really kind of overpower overwhelm you sometimes with the visuals or the way that you're affected by it to the point where you kind of lose touch with what you're doing or what's going on and it's just really overwhelming so i mean ketamine can do that uh typically not in the doses that we're using um but yeah you know sometimes difficult material comes up and that's a part of the process and we encourage people to work through that and we support them in it and uh yeah difficult and bad are not the same and there was actually a study done and the majority of people who have what they would otherwise characterize as bad trips had gotten really good value from them afterwards. So while it might not have been pleasant at the time, they got benefits from it. And we really like for patients to have a pleasant experience. We work hard for that. And most of them do. And most of them really enjoy the infusion process. Um, but even when that isn't the case, there's healing that can occur. And during the infusion process, is there somebody maybe guiding the the, the patient? Are they asking the questions, or it just, or is it just more of like this introspective thing where the patient goes through and you just kind of leave them as is and have them figure it out? Yeah, um, we're there for support if needed, but we don't want to be guiding. It's not our place to try to direct them to do or not do anything aside from keeping them safe. Um, that inner work, that inner journey is really important. And um, a lot of the times that intention is simply to be open and to trust, to relax, to allow whatever needs to come up to come up. The medicine and the subconscious has a really amazing way of driving driving the car where it needs to go. And I think so much of the ego and the conscious mind and our defense mechanisms want us to be in control, want us to choose, 
guide, steer, whatever, and get things right for those of us who might be perfectionistic. I don't want to do this wrong. At the end of the day, that's all really noise. And if you can just trust and be open, things are going to come up that need to. Just like with your friend eating the mushrooms. You know, I'm sure he he wasn't intending to have these hard times, but there was something going on that he needed to face that he was avoiding. And that, you know, that's the kind of cool thing about mushrooms, too. Uh, they're going to show you whether you want to see it or not. That's what it, they do. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, I always found it interesting because like, you know, I try the LSD, I try the mushrooms and it's almost like for me, you know, for my friends, it's like you take the LSD, but it's almost like you're guiding yourself. But when you do the mushrooms, it's like the mushrooms take you wherever they want to take you. And then you kind of just figure out this, the steps along the way. And I actually really like that you guys don't guide anything because it's almost like very empowering if you just let the person figure it out themselves. Because it's almost like you're showing them whatever I need to figure out is already within me. And just by them taking it in, taking the steps, moving forward, moving through their, their experience, it's almost like they're, they're learning about themselves that, hey, whatever is going through my life, I have the power to, to change it. I have the power to fix it. I could have a different outlook without necessarily needing anyone anyone's help because I feel like sometimes when people are going through a lot of things, they get dependent on things. They get dependent on drugs. You know, maybe get, they get dependent on people and they're never given the chance, opportunity to just figure things out by themselves. And I feel like if you can figure things out by yourselves, by yourself, it just shows you how strong of, of a person you are strong and how strong of a mind you have that you could get yourself in any kind of situation and it translates to every part of your life. You don't necessarily are dependent on, on anything because you realize that, hey, whatever needs to be fixed, I can, I can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we really like to empower patients uh, to be participating in their own healing and to know that, I mean, we all have our own inner healer and that kind of inner wisdom that we, we so many of us have, you know, kind of tuned out or become less sensitive to um, is always there. And to kind of return to that and to be empowered that you can really help participate in your own healing and you have a lot of wisdom inside, you know, is a, is a great, great way to go about it for sure. And I think too many people look for a quick fix or for someone else to fix them or a doctor, or they just think I'll pop this pill and everything will be better, or I'll go see a specialist and they'll fix me. And that just is the westernized idea of medicine that has not served us. We've seen it over the last 30, 40, 50 years, how it's failed us, especially where mental health is concerned. And I think people are waking up to taking a little more ownership of their mental health and realizing that, yes, there are resources and there's support and there's guidance. Ultimately, people have to participate in their own healing. Yeah, like Jocko Willick said, you got to take ownership. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with Jocko Willick, but he's uh, this Marine guy that always, you know, he always preached like, you know, take, I take ownership of, of everything. When it comes to ketamine, is this for people with mild depression, severe depression, like severe PTSD? Can somebody maybe that has like mild depression uh, try it? Because I had this one listener, uh, she was going through a very bad postpartum depression and all basically she was getting is just she was being put on different pills and trying to figure out what dosage are, are working as it was like two or three years of this postpartum depression and she like still can't figure it out and she even reached out to me this was maybe like eight months ago maybe like a year ago on my recommendation of like what she could use because she listens to one of our podcasts and we talk about psychedelics and, and all that kind of stuff so she was reaching out 
to us and asking like, hey, do you recommend like ketamine? Do you recommend certain infusions? So who who is ketamine specifically for? Is it people that have really stubborn depression where they just can't get rid of it with meds or is it for people that are just maybe going through a little bit of hardship, they could try and go through it and feel better? Who is it specifically for? Yeah, that makes me sad to hear about that listener. Um, yeah, this is amazing for postpartum depression. And too many pregnant women also suffer from depression while they're pregnant. And uh, they can't really take SSRIs because of the risk to the unborn child. And they suffer. And then there's concerns after they give birth about transference through the, bre the breast milk. And a mother who's disengaged from her newborn is just really terrible for the mother and the child, for, you know, the other partner, the father. I mean, everyone involved, it can be really, really bad long-term uh, effects. So ketamine works quickly, safely. It does not, uh, there is no proof that it would cause harm to the child. It's unknown. Those studies are very complicated to try to do, right, uh, for obvious reasons. But SSRIs are proven to cause problems. Ketamine, it's kind of unknown, but the half-life is so short and it has such a different mechanism of action. There's a lot of good basis for using ketamine, if not during pregnancy, then at least for postpartum, no question. There's been some interesting studies on ketamine for postpartum depression specifically that have shown really, really positive results. Uh, so I would definitely advise any woman who's going through that to to try ketamine and, of course, needs to consult with the physician and review her specific situation. But suffering for years like that just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, it's really good for various types of uh, other forms of depression, bipolar depression, unipolar, could be minimal to moderate, could be severe doesn't have to be really bad cases for people to benefit. PTSD, anxiety, OCD, suicidal thinking, among others. A lot of people hear about it and think of it as a radical treatment and that they really, it's only for people who are really in a bad way and they're not bad enough yet. And maybe they'll wait and see. I really want to discourage that kind of thinking. We have a solution that works 83% of the time with none of the side effects in a matter of hours to days. It's available now. If you're suffering, don't suffer anymore, period. If you have a clinical diagnosis, you're a candidate. There's almost no exclusion criteria. We don't see schizophrenic patients. We don't see uh, some types of personality disorders. We don't see people who are actively manic or actively psychotic. Pretty much everyone else is welcome. And there, you don't have to have a long history of suffering or be super severe in order to, to benefit. Most of our patients are of the treatment resistant category in the sense that they've tried and not benefited from at least two or more conventional treatments before they come to us. But that's not necessarily something that people should have to go through. And said, what about like ADHD or even like epileptic disorders? Is there any... Um research done on, on effects of ketamine on those people or is it majority focused on like depressive um issues i don't know i've never heard of anything with uh, epileptic disorders with adhd i think it would help i'm not aware of much research there um 
but I've talked with some people who have tried it in other contexts, more outside of a clinical setting and said it helped with their ADHD. That's very, very anecdotal, right? But it really helps to quiet the default mode network. Ketamine helps to quiet the chatter and the noise in the mind. You know, it helps to kind of make people more centered, um, more connected to themselves. It enhances neuroplasticity and brain function in the ways that we've already talked about. So if ADHD is related to uh, neurons kind of firing and wiring together in ways that aren't conducive to your, your focus and your ability to get things done that you need to, um, if it's a result of agitation or even trauma from the past, and this is a trauma response, I don't know. Obviously, everyone's different. ADHD is complex. I don't pretend to be an expert on that particular uh, condition. But if some of these things are a part of the picture, then it would make sense that ketamine would help with it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, again, I'm not really aware of much research having been done in that area, but it would be interesting to see for sure. I can tell you that we've had um, autistic patients who came in for issues with mood, but actually found that their function and their autism was improved by it in the sense that not only their mood, but they were able to socialize and verbalize better and had better self-control. We've had patients with a traumatic brain injury, TBI, who came in again, not to treat the TBI, but for their depression or their PTSD that was related to that. And a added benefit was actually better cognitive function, better memory, and some of the symptoms of the specifically of the TBI that were improved upon. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff to be said. And I think, you know, for some people listening and uh, other critics might say, oh, like they're just saying it works for everything. You know, mm -hmm. the reality is so many of these conditions are related to the same processes in the brain. I, I really think we're moving in a direction where we're starting to recognize them more as symptoms of the same thing and not just individual separate illnesses, because a lot of this stuff stems from trauma. And trauma can be what a lot of us think about when we think of it as far as violence, you know, guns, war, it's, it, you know, assault, et cetera. But trauma can manifest in many, many other ways for many people. I would say probably most people have experienced at least some type of trauma, and it's often something in childhood. And that can manifest itself in different ways with different symptoms. Uh, and those some symptoms, I think, sometimes are called like their own separate thing, but really they're just a result of that, right? So um, it makes it does make sense that ketamine can help with so many different mood disorders if this kind of understanding of what this is all about is is true. And um, if it's really enhancing brain function and it's really helping to create new neural pathways and helping to disrupt negative ways of being and thinking, how could that not help all of these different types of challenges that people are having? And it, and it does. And it's clinically proven for many of them. And we see it firsthand. We've done 25,000 infusions in a decade, been open since 2014. We were one of the first clinics in the country. And also there's about 170 studies that have been done, around 80 of them completed with results published by leading institutions. So it's really important that listeners understand this is not just uh, some interesting possibility. 
I mean, this is proven through it, like I said, a decade of our experience being dedicated to it and also a substantial body of scientific literature by all of the leading institutions, USC, UCLA, Johns Hopkins, Yale, Stanford, Harvard, you know, National Institute of Mental Health, Cleveland Clinic. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Is it because ketamine is more of a drug that it's almost to me like it produces more of like a systemic effect than like a real specific one, like for certain SSRIs where they just affect serotonin uh, reuptake or or they block that pathway so there's more serotonin flooding. To me, it seems like ketamine has more of like a systemic unknown effect in a way. Is, is that is that have any validity? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, SSRIs are kind of a Band-Aid over a, a gaping wound, you know, <laughs> and they affect they're treating symptoms and ketamine is really getting at the source of the issue. You know, ketamine is uh, cleaning it out and suturing it closed and putting, uh, you know, proper wound care on it. Um, it's just a, a, a night and day difference, I think, in what's going on again in, in the processes in the brain and also the personal experience that can be really profound. So yeah, it's not really apples to apples for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam, can you explain to me what a, what a K-hole is? Yeah. So a K-hole is when people have too much ketamine. It's almost always associated with recreational use. Ketamine is a sedative. It, it's an anesthetic. So when people do too much, they get to a point where the world kind of closes in on them and they it, it narrows like tunnel vision and it almost is like dark, you know, like there, you can't, your peripheral vision, it, you know, it starts to almost put you out and uh, it can be really scary. You know, you don't have uh, hardly any coordination of your body. You can't, you're not uh, steady on your feet. You, maybe you can't even move. Uh, if you're up, you know, um, vertical, you, you might fall over. You can't really walk. You can't you coordinate your movements. Uh, you can't speak. Um, and it can be really scary for a lot of people. And, you know, the dissociative effects of ketamine are a spectrum. And there's a huge range in between a, a sub perceptible amount or microdose and being fully sedated for surgery. And a K-hole is definitely on, closer onto the, onto the surgery side, uh, where it just kind of starts to shut down some of your uh, um, voluntary and at a certain point, maybe even some of your involuntary bodily functions. And um, it's generally not regarded as a pleasant experience by anyone. And so people who I talked to thought they were doing a line of Coke one time and it ended up being K or these kinds of stories you hear often report getting to that point because the amount of cocaine that you would do for recreation is probably 10 times the amount that you would in, in one dose that you would do uh, of ketamine for recreation. So you hear about these kinds of funny stories and mix ups when when I talk to so many different people, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I did it one time by accident, you <laughs> know, and stuff like that. Um, and that's what ha that's what can happen. Yeah. People don't get to that point in our clinic. Um, but yeah, that's where the care hole is. So it's basically due to the dissociative effects and that's like you know you're doing too much the more like a chance of you get those disassociative effects 
Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have a dissociative effect, but that's getting more into a sedative effect, into mm. an almost like uh, anesthetic level kind of, you know, you just lo- you start to shut down. Mm. Uh, and it can be scary, really disorienting and confusing. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I've seen a few people go through it, you know, and they just, it's almost like they fall over and everyone's like, you know, they're okay, they're okay, they're, they're in a K-hole. And I was actually watching... Um, I've never heard. Of, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Kill Tony. It's like um, it's a, it's a live comedy show, you could say. And like during one episode, is actually somebody going through like a K hole during their whole thing, and they're, they're talking about it. It like blew my mind because it's you know, people do it recreationally. You know, there there's a safe way to do it, and there's you know a, a you could say a, a not safe way to do it. It kind of it is what it is. You just gotta be careful with with those things. So, and I've actually seen people like in in person go through it. And it's a pretty in, intense thing. It's just like whoa, like it looks super scary to the outside person that maybe has never you know been in like a circle where you know drugs are being used it's a very scary thing so i was always curious on what the hell actually actually happens well when somebody goes through these k-holes because i hear it's like okay they're going through a k-hole they're fine you know and it kind of is is what it is but it doesn't last long right they, they come out of it usually fine and then it's it's only lasts a few minutes no it depends on how you've taken the ketamine and how much um, because people usually snort it when they take it recreationally, but some people use it IM as well, you know, intramuscularly and they inject it into the muscle. And then that's a slower uh, rate of absorption. And also it's going to last longer and take more time to get out of the body because when you squirt a bunch of it into the muscle, it's gradually goes into the bloodstream from there. And it can happen actually rather quickly, but not as quickly as sorting it, which is like into the lungs and then through the through the bloodstream, like real fast, you know, like within a minute or less. Um, but no, it, it can last. I mean, it can last an hour, it can last an hour and a half um, and then gradually wear off. When you come out of it, it's not like you just snap out of it and you're fine you might start to feel like you're back coming back, but then you're really out of it still for a while, you know? So the actual kale could be an hour, hour and a half. And then you might have a couple hours before you feel even more semi okay again, you know? Um, so yeah, it can definitely mess up your day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I was thinking is, is I'm not like, I was thinking like a DMT trip, a DMT trip is, is very quick. And then you come out of it, you know, fairly quickly. So, I was thinking it's almost like like the same thing where it's only like a few minutes, but if you're telling me if it, if it lasts like an hour, you know, it could last an hour, that's like super intense. That's, that's super scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DMT is known to be one of the most powerful psychedelics in the world, but also one of the shortest acting, right? Like a 10 or 15 minute trip. But people often say that during that time, it might have felt like a lifetime. So it's so interesting about how our perception of time is altered with psychedelics. And that's the thing, 15 minutes doesn't really matter that much if you feel like you just lived like a whole life in that time you know it's to you that's a long time um but yeah it can definitely last and also i wanted to say like what you mentioned sometimes like someone would do it and then they might fall over or something that's where it can get really dangerous and depending on where you are and what you're doing you know if you're in a place where somebody could be a predator could take advantage of you you know whether that be sexually or rob you or assault you in another way or you could be in a crowded at a party or an event or somewhere you might get tra- trampled by people. Um, I've heard stories of people literally falling over and hitting their head. So you got to be really careful with this stuff. You got to know what you're doing. I don't advocate for recreational drug use. I don't I don't advocate for people to do ketamine on their own. There's a lot of risks to it. 
Uh, I'm just having a candid chat with you now about some of these questions just to educate people on it. But if I will say, I do believe in harm reduction. And if people are going to do it, I'm just letting you know, you got to be really smart and safe. A lot of drugs have fentanyl in it nowadays. That stuff can kill you so fast. Smaller amount than a grain of rice in your bag can kill you. Uh, no question. We've seen that more and more over the last few years, which is really unfortunate. There's also a lot of designer drugs out there that are copycat versions of other common drugs. So you might get something that's similar effects of ketamine, but it's not ketamine that might have much worse side effects or higher risks or like a worse uh, come down, you know. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I would say ultimately just be smart, be safe, know where your stuff comes from, test it. You can get fentanyl test strips easily for free in a lot of places. So test your drugs, do it with people you trust. If you don't know how it's going to affect you, do it in a controlled environment and private uh, at least once or more than once before you go and do it at a big festival or an event. Don't drive a car. Just be smart. Don't do stuff where you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more with you, Sam. Uh, when it comes to your clinic, are you guys just located in LA or are you guys expanding somewhere else? Are you guys going maybe national or is it just more of like a LA, California things. I know there, I'm in Illinois, I'm in Chicago. I know there are some ketamine clinics around me, uh, but regarding your clinic, um, you guys just based in LA or are you guys on more locations? Yeah. So currently we have one location in Los Angeles on the West side of Culver city. Um, we've moved several times over the years to larger and larger spaces. Our current office is about 5,000 square feet. So it's a good sized office. Um, we've avoided having multiple locations for a lot of reasons, mostly just to maintain quality control, you know, and really favoring quality over quantity. You know, once you get two, three, four places going, man, it's hard to keep everybody on the same page with policies and procedures and oversight and making sure everyone's doing good, good quality work. And, uh, you know, the, the care is consistent. Um, this isn't like a, a, a subway restaurant that you, you could standardize how you how you put the uh, the spread on the bread and where you slap the meat you know uh and teach people this is high level stuff this is very very sensitive work treating people for mental health it's really difficult to kind of standardize and scale and i think that's something that we've done very well actually in house um we would have had another site, except we added additional services in the last year. So we now also provide medication management, you know, conventional psychiatry management of people's prescriptions. We also are now providing transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS. And um, these are other treatments we've added to provide more comprehensive care. And with them, we can accept insurance. So we're now paneled with 10 of the largest payers in California. So a lot of this evolution and change in the way that we're structured of, of going from, you know, just a ketamine clinic to a comprehensive mental health center has required a lot more working out of uh, the kinks of new policies and procedures and staffing to figure this stuff out because these are new services and they require a lot of change. Had we not done that, we would have definitely had a, another location at this point um, because I feel like we really did get down the ketamine side of things very tight because we've been doing it full time for a decade. Um, but the plan right now is to kind of smooth out some of these new services. Uh, and then once we feel good about that, to go and do it all in other places and probably Southern California and beyond after that. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are offering more services because 
even though ketamine seems like a great idea, it's not always a one size fits all kind of thing, especially for people, you know, we're not machines. You can't just keep, you know, standardizing everything. It's everyone comes from a different background. Everyone is, is helped in a, in a different way versus the hospital where you try to standardize every single thing. I, I like the idea that you guys are doing, doing more things. Uh, Sam, if anybody wants to reach out to, uh, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, so uh, ketamineclinics.com. That's K-E-T-A-M-I-N-E-C-L-I-N-I-C-S.com. Uh, lots of good information on there. You can fill out a contact form on the website, or you can just call us 310-270-0625. Uh, all inquiries are confidential, uh, no obligation. We're always happy to talk. We have really wonderful staff. They're knowledgeable. They're compassionate. We also offer free consultations with uh, our providers. So you can uh, speak with the front desk and then and then be scheduled to speak with a clinician, a psychiatrist or a psych uh, NP, and they can talk about your treatment history with you, answer your questions. There's no charge for that, no obligation. And again, uh, it's confidential. So definitely encourage people to look at the website and uh, if they wanna connect, so just reach out to us. Okay, I know you guys also got an Instagram. Can you um, plug yeah. your Instagram for yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, sure. Thanks for that. Yeah, so Ketamine Clinics LA on all social media. Uh, ketamine clinics la we're active on all the all the platforms and for me personally if you want to find me it's the sam mandel that's just the word the t-h-e-s-a-m-m-a-n-d-e-l and i'm also pretty active on all the platforms that's the handle across all of them and i'm passionate about disseminating accurate information about this treatment and providing other resources for mental health and i'd love to hear from you especially if you found any value in this I love to talk about it. It's really nice to hear that somebody somewhere loves to hear me talk about it. If that's you, let me know. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Sam. Thank you uh, once again. I really appreciate all the knowledge you've shared and widen our, you could say, scope of practice and widen our, our mindset and the way we think about mental health and, and future treatment or any current treatment. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Oh, I got to go. I've been working, told him, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bruh, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my.